0: And good morning to everyone in Southeast Louisiana. This play-by-play coming to you live on this Thursday. Crazy to think we've only got two more shows left to get done in this busy mid-July summer week. Casey Justclair here. We've got a fun show coming your way over the next 90 minutes. We're rocking and rolling as always until one o'clock. We have got. Some middle school that we will uh, middle school athletic talk that we'll be getting in the next segment of the show. We'll have Keegan Pokey, the athletic director, football coach, and boys basketball coach over at LCO. We'll be chatting with him as we have throughout the summer. At eleven forty-five, at noon, we're gonna have Corey Abair with the Blue Boot Rodeo. Remember, we promised you all a recap from the Blue Boot Rodeo earlier in the week, and we said that Corey and Darby were both unavailable because, frankly, they couldn't talk after using up all their voice over the weekend. They have recovered. Corey will be on with us at noon to talk about how the rodeo went. I already know how the rodeo went. I'm going to get them to have an opportunity to brag and shine light on how the rodeo went. They had a wonderful weekend. They raised a bunch of money for a great cause, rallied some community support together. There were some big fish caught, all that, and so much more. We'll have Corey on at 12 o'clock to talk about the Blue Boot Rodeo. At 12.15, there's a big, big summer independent wrestling show that's happening out in Morgan City this weekend. We'll have Mustang Mike Beadle on. He's the promoter of that event. and Heck, he's also competing in the event. We will ask him to you know, talk about the show, some of the things that he's hoping to see, and some of the reasons why, if you have some free time this weekend, you should consider going out to St. Mary and passing a good time with those folks out there at the wrestling show. And then at the bottom of the show, we'll comb through the headlines and give you a rundown of how we're feeling about some of the things happening in the world of sports. And then we've got betting picks to give to you all. But before we get to our next Mount Rushmore, which is Thibodeau High School, let's thank our sponsors for allowing us to be here. The Blue Boot Rodeo, the aforementioned Blue Boot Rodeo doing an excellent job in our community. Also, Southland Dodge and HOMA, industrial power systems for all your engine and generator needs, because power is our middle name. Do Friend Building Materials got you covered for all your roofing needs. Buzz Off, the only all natural mosquito control professionals providing guaranteed results. And Golden Motors, where price is priority, proudly supporting South LaFouche Athletics and community youth sports organizations. We thank all of those fine folks. And we also give you a reminder join us on Saturdays at 10 o'clock for the Sports Corner, presented by Terrebonne General Health System with Stan Gravois and myself for the latest in local high school. College and professional sports from your local sports experts. Sponsored by State Bank and Trust Company. So, let's dive in. We've got another Mount Rushmore to uh, lay down. We have already done South Lafourche. Uh, we have already done Central Lafouche. And now we move forward and get to Thibodeau High School, which was one that was incredibly difficult to make incredibly difficult to hand out because there were just so many play like there's so many Thibodeau high school uh graduates that played pro that went to the NBA or you know did this or did that it was awfully difficult to narrow down but we were able to get it done we've got you your 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 five that we're going to lay out here for Thibodeau high school And we begin with the first member of the Thibodeau High School, Mount Rushmore, which I think is a no-brainer. I think it's one of the great athletes in the history of our area, and it's a tragic story, a tale of a man gone far, far too soon. Eric Andelsak is on our Thibodeau High School, Mount Rushmore. Andelsak was an offensive lineman for Thibodeau High School who then went on to play for LSU, who then went on to play for the Detroit Lions and was making his name in the NFL ranks and had started 48 games and uh, had played 61 games in his NFL career and was becoming one of the big linemen for a Detroit team that was starting to grow, right? <clears throat> they were starting to grow. They had Barry Sanders. They had a big, powerful running game, and Andersack, Andersack was an anchor on that offensive line. Unfortunately, this is where the story gets that gets bad, uh, in an offseason season, Andelsack was doing yard work at his Thibodeau home and a semi-trailer trucker ran off the highway and struck and killed him um, at just twenty five years old. So an NFL guy, you know, an NFL player, local athletic hero taken away from us just at age twenty five because of a split second accidental decision made by a driver driving on the road, you know, veered off the road. Andlsack was unfortunately at the wrong place at the wrong time. And his life tragically comes to an end at age 25. That was in 1992. And anybody who played in that era, you will, they'll tell you the stories. Dude was a monster. You know, just big and strong and athletic and, and can move for a man of his size. Everyone who has an Andle Sacks story, it, it all goes the same way. They tell you of his strength. They tell you of his footwork and how nimble he was despite his large size. And then if they had the opportunity to get to know the man, they tell you that he was a gentle giant and that he was a tremendous human being. So, Andosak is first, I think, that on any Mount more of Thibodeau High School, he needs to be, like, here's the thing. When we're doing these, you know, most of the schools will have, like, 10 or so people, right? And then I just got to, you know, make the the personal preference decision of, you know, picking which four or five I want to spotlight. But there are, within those 10 for each school, there are one or two for most of the schools that have to be there, right? Or you're just doing a disservice. Like last week, Central Lafourche, Larry Wilson had to be on that Mount Rushmore. Tommy Hodson had to be there. If they weren't there, like you're just not doing enough research to figure out what's going on in the history of that school. When you're doing Thibodeau High School, Eric Andelsack has to be there. He is um, in multiple Athletic Hall of Fames around our area. Thibodeau High School was on the verge of starting a, an Athletic Hall of Fame for their high school. I don't know what happened with that. I, I guess, you know, with world situations, the storm, whatever, that may have fallen off of their plate for just a minute. But whenever they do get that rolling, he's going to be in there. He's going to be in the first class of the Thibodeau High School Athletic Hall of Fame. So Eric Andelsack is first on the list for Thibodeau High School. The second one is a guy that... um you know, a Thibodeau High School guy, he was a baseball player. I'm going Scott Sanders. Scott Sanders, Thibodeau High School graduate, went on and played professional baseball for almost a decade, like MLB baseball for almost a decade. He played professional baseball for more than a decade. Um, right-handed pitcher, and he was he was pretty damn good. <laughs> like maybe the most decorated MLB resume of anybody in the Bayou region. And he played from 1993 to 2001, 1993 to 1999 in the MLB. He had a little stint at the end of his career playing independent professional baseball. He played for the Padres for three seasons, the Mariners, the Tigers, and the Padres again, then the Cubs is where he wrapped it up. And over the course of his career, let me tell you the stats. He was 34-45, and 4.86 ERA six hundred and thirty-two strikeouts so um you know Scott Sanders is a guy Thibodeau boy and who made a big big impact at the professional ranks uh let's let me give you a rundown of his numbers here more in detail than what I did he started 88 games played 235 games earned five saves in the course of his career his best season was Oh, probably 1996. He had a 3.38 ERA for the Padres in 144 innings. He earned a 9-5 and five record that season. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the 96 Padres were very good. Yeah, they were. They, they were a 91-win team, made the playoffs. So a big-time season there for Scott Sanders and a big-time career for Scott Sanders. And, oh, yeah, that athletic lineage is continuing on. but his boy Cam Sanders is playing in the Cubs professional baseball organization. And he is getting close. He is getting close. He's going to have the opportunity to play at the highest level here very, very shortly in all likelihood. So Scott Sanders is the next one for us. Now we go for our next guy. Um, Let's see. Yeah, let's do this one next. We're going to go Dennis Lorio, who is the... uh, the next man up for the Thibodeau High School, Mount Rushmore. Coach Lorio was a coach at Thibodeau High School for a couple of different stints. Had success in both of those stints. Won a state championship um, during one of his runs there. And like he's he's a very, very well liked figure out there over at Thibodeau High School. Still very connected. He's still very active on social media today. Um, he was 22 and 12 in his first stint, at, uh, excuse me, in his last stint at Thibodeau, which was when he was a little bit older in the late uh, 2010s. Uh, his first stint was incredibly successful. He, from 1987 to 1991, was 44 and 18 over at Thibodeau. So Dennis Lourdes is the guy we're going with. Look, anytime you could coach or, or lead a championship program in the Bayou region, Uh, You're going to get a whole lot of acclaim. And Coach Lorio led them all the way to the dome and they brought it home Uh, and been close to that since. So Dennis Lorio earns that spot for having two successful coaching stints over at Thibodeau High School. The next guy I'm going to give this to is a guy that um, I really, man, I'm proud of, you know, uh, because it's a guy that I saw play at high school and then now. As an adult, I'm seeing the difference that he's making as an adult. I'm gonna go Travon Reed for the next one. Um, Travon was a four-star guy out of Thibodeau who went to Auburn and his Auburn career was okay, but maybe it wasn't what some people thought that it should be. You know, he kind of signed there as like an athlete receiver type guy. He ended up having to move over, play defense, like He didn't have a huge all-SEC-level impact, but he did get multiple cups of coffee in the NFL. Now Trevon is an assistant football coach at Auburn, uh, which is his alma mater. But more important than that, and the reason why Trevon gets this honor is because of the impacts that he makes in the community. Like, when he comes home, like he's going to just randomly put on Facebook, like, hey— Everybody go to Pelche Park. You know we're having a community day. Like everything's on me. You know you bring yourself. We're gonna play, have fun. We're gonna play games. Like he is big into togetherness and philanthropy within the city of Thibodeau. I think that's awesome. So he earns that spot there for what he did on the field and for also what he has done throughout the last several years to help promote togetherness within the city. So he gets that spot there. Now the last one. But remember, we it's supposed to be four. We kind of cheat. We give out five. It was, it's Mount Rushmore plus one. Would be a guy that I didn't even realize was from Thibodeau. <laughs> like I knew of the name, and I remember, you know, I think I even have like a, a card of him whenever he played, and everything of the sort. The next one that we're going to give, um, they're just due to is Mark Davis, who was a six foot seven, two hundred ten pound forward who played in the NBA for multiple seasons. He's a Thibodeau guy. He actually played professionally from 1995 to 2009, had a decade-long career. In the NBA, it was from 1995 to 2000. Um, But Mark Davis played multiple NBA games, averaged 5.5 points per game for his career, scored 1,200 points, 700 rebounds. Um, Didn't know that he was a Thibodeau high school guy until I was doing this research. But he went off to Howard College, played college from 1991 to 1993, then went to Texas Tech from '93 to '95 and got drafted in the 1995 NBA Draft, 48th overall. Had been a whole lot of NBA guys in our area, so to see one and look again, I said, I said it a minute ago, I didn't even realize that he was from there. Mark Davis, kudos to you all. So I'm going Andosak, I'm going Scott Sanders, I'm going Coach Dennis Lorio, I'm going Travon Reed, and I'm going Mark Davis. I could have gone any which direction for a lot of these. There's a Meek Robertson, the young buck. He could have been on there. Siobhan Coleman, Damian Johnson, um, Greg Robinson, who was the number two pick in the NFL draft. I opted away from Greg. This is some of the off-the-field stuff that's been happening more lately. But any which way you would have gone, there wouldn't have been a wrong choice. Thibodeau has such a rich athletic history. There have been so many people that have come through that program. So those are the five that we settled on there, and I think that we did ourselves proud. Let's catch a break when we get back on play-by-play. We're going to Coach Keegan Pokey with LCO Middle School. Uh, We'll be right back after this break on play-by-play on KLEB.
1: Make this the summer event at Southland Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, and Homa. Not only can you get a great deal on a Ram, but you can see their impressive lineup of new commercial trucks and vans. Southland Dodge has the perfect vehicle for your business with Ram's long-lasting new pickups so and their efficient new Ram work vans. Choosing the right ones should be easy. Get more for your business with a new Ram trucker van at Southland Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, 6161 West Park Avenue and Homa. Here for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow.
2: We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bellchase, Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the do-friend difference.
1: Pesky mosquitoes, gnats, and all kinds of South Louisiana bugs taking over your yard? Have no fear. Buzz Off is here to save your summer. Buzz Off is the only locally owned pest control company focusing on your outdoor living space. They use 100% organic Organic ingredients safe to all humans and pets. Check us out on Facebook or book your appointment today at buzzoffnow.com. Need our cedar beaters now? Call 985-333-8989 today to take your lawn back. Buzz Off Mosquito Control. Safe. Effective. Guaranteed.
4: You may think every weather app is the same, until you see Weatherbug over-deliver on so many layers. With more free map layers than any other weather app, Weatherbug warns you the moment lightning strikes near you, prepares you for your commute with road conditions, routes, and even cameras. With everything from pollen and air quality to severe storm risks, radar, and satellite coverage, Weatherbug prepares you for the unpredictable. Download the Weatherbug app, trusted by over 10 million users, today for free.
0: Welcome back to play-by-play Play here on KOEB. Hope everybody's enjoying their Thursday. Looking out the windows, actually a little sun in the sky. We were not expecting that weather here this week. It's supposed to be kind of a washout, but I know that a lot of the coaches around the area are happy to see the sun, and we welcome our first one on the line today. That's Coach Keegan Pokey with LCO. Coach, good morning, my friend. How are you?
5: How's it going, Casey? I'm doing well.
0: Yes, sir. You guys are in a busy time where you know, you're know you in the summer, but you're still getting work in for the sports across the athletic department. How are things going over at El Cielo right now, man?
5: Yeah, kind of what you just said. It, it seems like the, the weeks that it's not supposed to rain, it rains, and then the weeks that it's supposed to rain, uh, it doesn't rain. So uh, Coach Nassie always jokes around and says, I could be a weatherman how much they get in the weather wrong. Well, we're just kind of going around the weather. Like right now, we're uh, today is actually our last day for workouts. We're going to do one last workout, get the kids uh, conditioned as best as we can, and then next week we start tryouts. So we're uh, looking forward to that. Our volleyball team has been doing extremely well. They've been getting a lot of uh, opportunities in with practicing, and then they, they competed in a West Thibodeau um, Summer League program that they would go once a week and they would compete against two teams On that one night and then upcoming they're going to have a typical wellness uh, volleyball camp for three days that our athletes plan on attending
0: that's awesome man and i've been seeing some of them volleyball pictures on facebook and everything of this sort so let's talk about that they had a wonderful year last year man and i know that you're not the head coach of that program but you're following them closely um do they have a lot returning and you know if not are there some new faces i know they're going to be very well coached. give us a rundown of what you all expected from those ladies on on the court this year
5: yeah, so just like every sport pretty much last year, we were eight-grade heavy big time. So we lost a lot of those girls that went on to South Poosh. Um But we returned back some seventh graders, uh, Caroline, Hemel, uh, Bailey, Lede. and look, I'm not very good with names, especially on the <laughs> volleyball end. But we, we have a, a solid amount. we got a lot of girls that maybe didn't try out last year that came out to try out this year, some upcoming seventh graders. And we kept, just like any sport at LCO, it seems like we kept 24 players and then two managers as well. So we have a lot of upcoming uh, uh, big sixth-grade class. We've got a nice size seventh-grade class, and then we maintain our eighth-grade class too as well. Um, Coach Randy and Coach Jarrett do an excellent job. Um, they get a lot of practicing in. They get a lot of opportunities in to get better, and uh, I'm looking forward to see how that outcome comes this upcoming season.
0: Coach, you all had a principal change there in the off season where Ms. Lagarde goes off to South Lafouche and then you know, Ms. Bro comes in. I know Celeste from coaching her children, you know, Carter and Camden. I know that she understands the importance of athletics to school. I know that, you know, you got to be fired up to work with her knowing that, hey, man, like she gets it. She knows how important this is in the big picture of things.
5: Yeah, like going through uh, middle school, Miss Bro was a uh, track coach and girls basketball coach, so she completely understands, and she did an excellent job as a coach uh, throughout her time. This past year she actually uh, – helped us out with the girls' track and field. And I was learning some things that I wouldn't even think of just this past year uh, dealing with track and field. So she understands completely the importance of athletics. She understands that I might not be in a a situation that I might not handle discipline in the actual uh, school setting, but I could easily step in and talk to these athletes, like saying, hey, look, uh, it's during season, outside of season, you're one of our athletes, we expect more out of you. So just the discipline in the school uh, grades, uh, grades are tremendously high when we're in a sport. I'm not saying it drops off after that, but the kids want to do a little bit better when athletics is involved and when they, uh, when they have a little incentive behind them as well.
0: Let's talk about football. That's the thing that's going to be first up for you in the upcoming school year. You guys are having tryouts next week from what you were telling me before you came on. No, know that's got to be exciting, man. You've been having a busy summer, getting them working out and conditioned and everything, so to be close to where... You're able to fully get to work. I know that that's got to have you fired up.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So we got tryouts next week, Tuesday through Thursday. And then Friday we'll have our first practice pretty much just handing out gear. So, yeah, we're all excited. Our coaching staff is really pumped up. The last time I think I talked to you, I think we had four coaches or three coaches. We added two more coaches to our staff. Uh, Two more coaches kind of reached out saying that they like what we're doing over here and they want to be involved. So we're really excited. We're pumped up. Our coaches a lot of times i don't think it just comes with coaching you kind of just want to stay after a practice or after a workout and just kind of discuss a few things and uh my wife's always calling me because me and mr chuck seems like we're staying like maybe two or three hours after just kind of discussing what our plans for the upcoming season so we're excited i think the kids are excited i think the kids are, are, are ready to put on that helmet uh the shoulder pads and everything like that so we are. Uh, we're expecting big things. We Our, our uh, confidence level is, is getting up there each and every workout. We're getting kids in the right positions. Um, so it's very exciting. The layout is, is coming along. We're very excited for this upcoming season.
0: You win the Paris Championship last year on the grid, on and that's an amazing accomplishment. Now you're going to have a big old bullseye painted on you. Everybody's going to be gunning for you all, and it's going to be a whole lot of new faces on the field. They're going to have to defend that championship. I know that you know you don't want to put any pressure on the kids or anything like that. But I'm sure that, you know, hey, these boys here are going to have a little chip on their shoulder knowing that, you know, hey, people are gunning for them and, you know, maybe you're kind of sleeping on them a little bit. But they could all play a little bit, too, now.
5: Yeah, and look, we, last year we were talking about earning our respect, uh, bringing the LCO back to where, where it was when Coach Felt was through the uh, mix and everything like that. So just earning our respect. Now we kind of got everyone's attention. I'm not saying we earned anybody respect fully. But uh, yeah, the kids are kind of mumbling a little bit about like, oh yeah, we're gonna do this, and, and it's good to have confidence. Now we just got to go ahead and, and let our pads speak, so, uh, so to speak, on that. But we, uh, the kids are excited; they're confident, which is always a good thing. Um, but like you saying that we have a, a bullseye on our back, and I, I would, if I had to ask all of our coaches and all of our players, like what we think about that, I think that would bring like a little more edge to, this, like you're saying, like kind of hey, let's bring it kind of thing. So we uh we're welcoming the bullseye on our back, so to speak. Very
0: good. How many can you keep, dude? I know that uh, you guys would love to keep them all, but you probably don't have enough jerseys and helmets and everything for everybody. How many can you keep?
5: So we got around 75 helmets. And, you know, some some kids have one year, like last year, we had like an abundance of large helmets that we needed. And the year prior, we had abundance of medium helmets that we needed. So we got 75 helmets, so we're looking to keep around 65 kids. And then uh, – if the kid doesn't make it more than likely, we would probably keep a good bit of managers uh, on our team as well. So we, we're hoping and praying we can keep everybody. But if it doesn't work out, 65 is our number. Uh, we've got 65 jerseys. we bought about 20 more jerseys this season. So uh, 65 is the magical number, I guess you would say.
0: Very good. Uh, look, man, I was talking with Coach Kale earlier in the week, and he was saying that, unfortunately – down the bayou, you know, and kind of doing some of the the preparation for the repair work on their gym, they've kind of run into some hiccups because some things are maybe a little more damaged than what they otherwise realize. So I'm going to ask you, I know they've been working at your gym. Is everything still going smooth over there so far? There haven't been any setbacks or anything of the sort?
5: Yeah, uh, actually, our roof, it's pretty much, it looks like it's almost wrapping up as being done. Uh, They're still doing a little work on our roof. Um, They painted a good bit of our, our bleachers, our walls, Everything in the gym. Now we're just waiting for the flooring to come in. I think it got delayed maybe once or two uh, one or two weeks. Maybe it's now instead of late July. I think it's gonna be like mid August, maybe late August. So you get it got delayed. I mean the weather doesn't help out when it's raining every so often like it is in the month of July. But um uh, as long as we get a gym before basketball season I'll be fine. But I really think we're gonna get it maybe um late August, it seems like that's the case.
0: Beautiful. We've been asking coaches to tell, you know, kind of some stories and reminisce here throughout the week on play by play. So I'm gonna kinda of put you on the spot and ask you, man, you played in a bunch of crazy environments. You were a multi sport guy at South Lafouche High School and you've coached in a bunch of stuff too, as an assistant boys basketball coach down the by and then also even at the middle school ranks. As a player, is there any one instance or whatever it may be where you, you know, you go back and when you're You know, swapping stories with your buddies. Is there any one go-to story of, man, this was wild, and let me tell you why?
5: Uh, I'll give you two of them. How about that, a football and a basketball? Let's do it. So, my football one is probably my junior year. The 2009 football season, that was the year that we won district, and we ended up beating Central in the the playoff game as well. But the first time we went play Central, the week before the playoff game, we had to play Central like the last week of the season, and then we had to play them in the playoff the week after. So that game, uh, 0-9 season, when we play them at Central Foosh, It was pretty much far district. Like whoever won, uh, if we won, we were outright district champs. If we uh, lost, it was like a tie between us and Central. So when we got off the bus, I don't know why I remember this. Maybe it's because the environment was crazy. But when we got off the bus at around like four thirty, people had been tailgating there for like it seems like two hours. <laughs> and we got off the bus. ACDC was blowing. Um, they had like a tunnel for us. Like, I truly at that moment, I even said at that moment, I felt like an LSU player just for the fact that when I envisioned the LSU players getting off the bus, it seems like everyone's surrounding. They made it like a little tunnel for us to get off. And to be that hyped up before maybe three hours before a game or three hours before kickoff was just a awesome experience for me, something that me, my, my fellow teammates that we played with, the coaches that I coached me at the time, we still talk about to this day. The actual game, there was standing room only. Um, You see on Rusty Bourne's highlight tape when he took it to the house, like there was like three or four rows of people on the track. So that environment was unbelievable. That that was my football one. And then for my basketball one, my senior year, we went to St. Aug. We were the 32 seed and they were the number one seed. And we traveling to St. Aug, that experience was unbelievable. We, uh, Hostile environment, but we're uh, we're the closest team to St. Aug that year, they ended up winning state. But I think we lost them by like 14, and they, every other team they played, they beat them by like 25 points or plus. So those two experiences.
0: That's awesome, dude. So what was that like, man? Like you're you're playing on that that 09 football team, that team that the year before, like was not very good, you know, and and had a lot of struggles. Coach former comes in late and. I remember, like, everybody was wondering, like, hey, what's this going to look like? You got a new guy that comes in late, and then you guys win some games early in the season, and then it feels like in the middle of the season, like, it was just lightning in a bottle, and you guys soared and became one of the best teams in the state. Like, that must have been just unbelievable to be a part of, man, because it, you're right. The community came together. I was at that Central LaFouche game. I was at, you know, all the playoff games. The community rallied around that group. That had to be amazing to be part of.
5: Yeah, it was crazy too. The like the environment uh for that year was unbelievable. But the expectations even okay, the the two years prior with Coach Blight, the expectations was like, Hey man, we underachieving big time right now. Like we were, we won one game my freshman year and then my sophomore year I think we maybe won one or two and we we're like, Hey, we better than this and then it just clicked for us. It, it's kinda one of those things that once it clicked it was like, Okay, now this is where we needed to be. This is this is how we play football because we're all experienced success growing up in the, the level of football at LCO, battle football, and everything like that. So it was very odd for us to go two wins over two years. And then when it clicked our junior year, it was just, all right, this is where we need to be. This is where we should be. And it was fun. It was uh, when football's good, school's good. And uh, my junior year, I remember a lot about school, how school was just fun just for the fact that football was an awesome time throughout that year.
0: Before we let you go, i got to ask you about basketball, because I know that's near to both of us. Man, you got a new group that's going to be coming in, but, heck, it's really not that much of a new group because you kept a bunch of kids, so a lot of the kids who will be moving in are guys that were on the roster last year. You said your next team is going to have a whole lot of size. Uh, how are those guys responding in the off season? Are they getting stronger and filling out into that size, and what are some things you're hoping to see on the hardwood?
5: Yeah, absolutely. We actually have the last open gym I invited uh, – Upcoming freshmen that come scrimmage with us a little bit, but they uh they put it to us a little bit, but it, it was a great uh great experience for the upcoming A-grades to see hey we still got ways to go, let's still work work harder in these open gym sessions. But, yeah, we're gonna be extremely big. We got uh, Bo Georges was probably pushing six one six two, but he his handles he actually played at the AU uh, with this AU group out of uh, New Orleans or Maddenville. I forget really which one. But he had developed his shot. He had developed his handles. He's uh he's filling out. He's starting to be a, a really big force in the paint. He's looking good. Uh, Cullen Saint Amant, who's pushing about six foot six one. Uh, his shot has developed over the summer too as well. Carter Collet, who's a a bruiser. I always refer him to Justin Sang because Justin Sang played exactly how he plays. He's always in the right spot at the right time. He uh he's filling out. He's starting to become a leader too as well. So we have we have those three guys, and we got Carter. Cantrell, Kobe Cantrell, we got some shooters on the outside. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. These kids are willing to work. They come in an hour before open gym almost every single day. Uh, they want to get better. Uh, I pretty much have to kick them out after open gym too as well. And you always want to see that as a coach. So I'm looking forward to the season. I really think just like for football, I think we might be getting overlooked. But I, I think we're going to start maintaining that success that we we enforced last year being the top three in the parish. we Hopefully we could go ahead and eclipse that and be Paris Champs in that sport, too, as well, Well, won
0: Beautiful. Thanks so much for the time, my friend. We'll chat again soon, okay, bud?
5: Thank you, man. Appreciate it.
0: Yep. That is Coach Keegan Pokey doing a good job over at LCO. They had a great football season last year. They've got a lot of kids to replace now. Let's not get it twist, but, hell, a lot of their players uh, from last year's LCO football team are going to be starting as ninth graders down the bay, you know, for the Tarpons. So they've got a lot to re- replace. But when you're in middle school and you got 60-something kids, it's that's a big advantage, man. A lot of middle school teams just have thirty-five, you know, forty kids at the most if they're if they're lucky. So for them to be pooling from sixty plus, like you could find some dudes that could run and block and tackle when you got that many to choose from. And we look forward to seeing how the next season is going to go for them. Let's catch a break here on play by play. When we get back, we're going to Corey A. Bear with the Blue Boot Rodeo. They had a wonderful weekend, and we'll ask Corey about it out of this break on KOLB. Welcome back to play-by-play Play. here on KOEB. Casey just here. We go to the phone lines for our next call-in guest on the show. That would be Corey Bear with the Blue Boot Rodeo. They just had their rodeo this past weekend, and my goodness gracious, was it a hit. Saw a lot of photos of a lot of folks having fun. Some big fish were caught. Corey, good afternoon, buddy. How are you? Good.
9: Recuperating, but very good. Yes,
0: sir, man. <laughs> uh, you know, it moved me. It moved me. We know, you know, this weekend we collected photos for the newspaper and I'm seeing the big pavilion, and it's full. And I'm seeing everybody having a good time. And then you understand, you know, hey, this is for a great cause, and everything that it stands for. It gave me the chills to see everyone having such a wonderful time. You guys had an amazing event. Talk about it, man. I know you got to be awfully proud.
9: Very proud. Of, and and like you said, it 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 did the same for us. You know, to see uh, that many people in the community come out to Grand Isle to enjoy our event, and and it, enjoy a good time with each other and and knowing what it's about and what the with the proceeds are going to go to and helping uh childhood drowning awareness and water safety awareness
0: and you know you get the, the large crowds but there were and it was a little bit wet over the weekend but there were some big fish that were caught the leaderboard was looking pretty good you know we read it on monday and you know saturday as well truck was giving some updates it looked really good man people were able to get on the water and catch some big fish
9: we, we were able to avoid the weather for the most part. Like you said, there, there was a, a few showers that came and went real quick. Uh, we weighed in 251 fish, which is the most we've, we've weighed in in our four years. Uh, rodeo record uh, grouper was by Britton Como, 103 pounds is the largest fish we've weighed in so far for the rodeo. Um, it was fun. The weigh station was fun. A lot of kids stick around for that to see the fish coming in. And the big boats coming in, so it was it was a great time by all for, for as far as the fishing went.
0: In terms of entertainment, I know you guys had the cornhole and bingos and mimosas and the auctions and everything of this sort. I'm sure that everybody was really enjoying themselves throughout all of that. What were some of the things that stood out the most to you all in the last couple of days, whenever the rodeo was rolling?
9: I I'll tell you what, our Friday was huge—the uh, biggest Friday we've had. We hold our cornhole tournament this year. We. We did something a little different. We had shorts in December, uh, a, a band with a lot of local flair in it uh, play on Friday night. That uh, the pavilion was was packed, a good crowd, and and Saturday, um, you know, people started telling us when we decided to do this bingo and mimosas. They said y'all gonna have a lot of people show up. Bingo's a big deal, and uh, and I guess some of the guys didn't realize it, but I want to say we had um, around 200. 30, 240 people there Saturday morning to play bingo <laughs> and, of course, drink mimosas. So, uh, you know, once they started showing up and, and in droves, we had to start uh, scrambling to, to put more tables and chairs out, but we we made it happen.
10: Uh, well,
0: I, I think it's safe to say bingo, is, bingo and mimosas is coming back next year, huh?
9: <laughs> I, absolutely. It, it's here to stay. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it
0: brother so look man the, the one of the big things that was celebrated this past weekend was the passage of the Riley John Bill which you know uh, representative Ogeron was helping to you know author and tell us exactly what that's going to do and then also on the flip side to that how awesome is that that you know now you guys have been working tirelessly to you know help educate people and get into schools and reach out to the kids to know that that's going to be happening, most certainly in Louisiana will be happening, it's got to just be an
9: unbelievable feeling. It, it is. We couldn't, you know, our committee and our, uh, our volunteers couldn't be more proud of Darby and Nicole for, for their effort, and of course Joe Orgero who who made it all happen. Um, you know, we were told up front, you know, it takes maybe one, two, three tries to get a bill passed. and uh from the implementation in in April it took uh to get this done you know in June 18th it was stamped by the governor and uh, and we couldn't couldn't be more happy about it and and this is going to provide water safety um, awareness training or or curriculum in in all schools K through 12th in Louisiana starting next year so it's huge It's it's step 1 for us uh, on a, on a huge journey that we're on and and, uh, again, Darby and Nicole made trips to the Capitol, to Baton Rouge, to share their story to the Senate, to the House, and um, and the education committees, and, and they did a great job of, of relaying that message on.
0: You know, you said a minute ago sometimes it takes multiple tries to get something passed. Do you think that maybe you guys were successful in this first go-around because of, you know, they, they're seeing, you know, like as you said many, many times when you've come on, you know, they see the life rings, they hear the great stories of the rodeo, and like Darby and the car so genuinely speak about this so well, like I feel like because of everything that you all have done, it made it a much much easier thing to get through because people know, hey, this is no BS, these people mean well, and they're in this for the right reasons.
9: I, I think you're 100% right, and you know, they even ran into to some of the elected officials that took for granted that this this curriculum was already in our schools and it wasn't so um, so I, I think that along with showing like you said showing what we're doing as a as an organization really helped push it through and um and we we're, we're going to continue uh, to preach that and and see what else we could we could do to help
0: anytime you host a big event look no matter how well it goes there are always some things that you say yeah maybe next year we could do this a little better What are some tweaks or some things that you guys maybe identified that next year we should be looking out for?
9: It's funny you say that. We um, we actually going to have a a committee meeting here in the next week or so, and uh, everybody's writing down their notes and their their uh, their ideas on um, lessons learned, so we could we could always improve on what we're doing each year. Um, I think you know, there's all we'll look at it top to bottom, Casey, from uh, from what we've done good to what we think we can improve on. Uh, one big hit um this year again was was those uh, lSU baseball players and football players that we handed out two hundred free baseballs to get signed and uh, I'm sure if we would have had more, we probably would have handed out more but um that's a, a good little connection that we've made with the, with the lSU baseball team and uh, they've shared our mission with with the team and um and we hope to continue that for the kids to be bringing some some guys they look up to and and watch on TV, you know.
0: Look, dude, I, I got to tell you, I've, I've spoken to some kids and some parents and everything that, that were out there, and that's one of the first things that they always say is, No oh, man, you know, little such and such was so excited to see Gavin Duga, you know, Beloso and all these other guys. And from what I understand, like sometimes when you go to a place where there are prominent athletes, they're just there, and, you know, they're not enthusiastic about being there. But from what I understand, those guys are not just there, but they're happy to be there. They're happy to mingle. They're having a great time, and I think that makes all the difference in the world.
9: It does. They they actually came down on Friday afternoon. They all played in the cornhole tournament, and uh, <laughs> they were so accessible to all the kids. I mean, the kids were coming up to them on Friday, giving them high fives and shaking hands, and then they got to meet them again on Saturday. So they uh, they really took on our mission, and and uh, and we look forward to year after year, maybe having more of them come down.
0: So, okay, you guys are fresh out of the event what are you guys doing the fall and the winter and everything? Cause I know the mission never stops. The cause never stops. What are some of the things you guys are pinpointing and are looking to do? Not even like with the rodeo, but just with the, 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 you know, the charity and everything. What are some things you guys are looking to do in the next three to six months?
9: So we look at to branch out a little bit more. Um, I think maybe we had talked about it a little bit. Uh, pre-rodeo is we, we feel we have a good grasp and, and, uh, Lower Lafouche area has a good grasp of what we're about, what Blue Boots about, what our, our foundation is about. We, we need to expand that to Terrebonne Parish, to Upper Lafouche, Thibodeau area, um, and uh, with partnerships with you guys on the radio and the Gazette, um, you know, we're gonna be putting out more information year-round, uh, tips on water safety, uh, educational uh, information, but it's our goal this upcoming year is to, to spread our brand, so to speak, and and in different areas that don't know who Blue, Boat, Blue Boot Rodeo is or Blue Boot Foundation.
0: Beautiful. Look, man, you know this. Anything we could do to help spread, you just let us know. Thanks so much for the time, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for all the support. Yep. That is Corey Abert doing a wonderful job. They had an amazing weekend, and it's crazy to think. It's I've got the three songs, and I might even start crying. It's amazing to think that a tragedy such as this, which is a beautiful, precious little boy being taken away from us far too soon and in a complete accident, it's one of the worst things that could possibly happen. And from it, the strength of that family to turn that into something that could change lives for so many other people promoting The, you know, drowning prevention tips and giving the advice and getting the education in the schools and that's going to make sure that the feeling that they experienced is not going to be experienced by as many other people in the area and it's literally going to bring kids and even adults back to their loved ones and out of dangerous situations. To know that in just a couple of years, they have made so much progress to grow this rodeo to maybe be the biggest one on the island now. To know that they have now gotten to Baton Rouge and gotten laws passed to mandate that this is be you know put into our schools. It's incredible. It's incredible what they have done. And to know that you know most events really don't actually get traction and get to the full you know scope of what they're going to be until a decade or so has passed, to know that in just three, four, five years, however much it's been, three years or whatever, to know that they've made this much progress in such a short amount of time, it just makes you wonder what this could end up being 10, 15, 20 years down the line. It's I got the free sauce. It, 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 it moves you to chills, man, the work that they've done. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we're going to Mustang Mike Beadle here. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this talking some wrestling. There's a big show in Morgan City this weekend.
8: You're listening to KLEB, 1600 AM and K274 DE, 102.7 FM, Golden Meadow. The music on the bayou, the all-new Ragin' Cajun, 102.7 FM.
1: Make this the summer event at Southland Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, and Homa. Not only can you get a great deal on a Ram, but you can see their impressive lineup of new commercial trucks and vans. Southland Dodge has the perfect vehicle for your business with Ram's long-lasting new pickups of their efficient new Ram work vans. Choosing the right ones should be easy. Get more for your business with a new Ram trucker van at Southland Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, 6161 West Park Avenue and Homa. Here for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow.
2: Friend Building Materials is inviting you to our 7th Annual Fishing Rodeo, Friday, August 19th, and Saturday, August 20th, in the same spot as always, Bridgeside Marina in Grand Isle. Scales will open Friday with a cornhole tournament at 6 p.m. Saturday's festivities include minnow races for the kids, auctions, door prizes, and more, and we'll have gator coolers for 1st, 2nd, and 3rd place in each category. This year's benefactors are the Center in Cutoff and Bridge to Independence at Nickel State University. Check out our Facebook page for more details. See y'all there.
10: Guaranteed. Today's Medical Minute is provided to you by Thibodeau
6: Regional Medical Center.
10: Hello, I'm Billy Nakan, the director of the Spine Center of Excellence at Thibodeau Regional. Have you had a recent neck or back injury or have you been suffering with recurrent neck and back pain? Have you been searching for relief? Thibodeau Regional has developed a unique approach to treating neck and back disorders. The Spine Center of Excellence provides a comprehensive, patient-centered approach to ensure that you receive the right care at the right time from the right provider. The Spine Center is different because it offers centralized access to multiple specialties and services. Patients and their referring physicians are led by a nurse navigator through a process of assessment and treatment individually tailored to the patient's unique condition. In addition to total care coordination, the Spine Center's comprehensive services include everything from high-tech diagnostic imaging to physical therapy, surgery, alternative medicines, and chronic pain services. If you're experiencing back or neck pain, call today. 985-493-4501. The Spine Center of Excellence of Thibodeau Regional will put you on the path back to your normal routine.
3: This Medical Minute was sponsored by Thibodeau
9: Regional Medical Center, nationally recognized for providing the highest level of quality care and
10: patient satisfaction.
0: We made the effort to get Mustang Mike Beadle on in this segment, but he did tell me before, you know, we when we were lining him up, he said, hey, man, I'm in a meeting in Baton Rouge. I hope to be done by 12-ish, but I might run late. I might not be able to make the call. We gave him a call, got voicemail. We assume he's still in his meetings. We'll try to get him before 1 o'clock, but no harm, no foul. We know that he's a busy guy. They've got their big show coming up this weekend out in Morgan City. I'll tell you about it in just a second. Let me pull that card up here. Uh, Mustang Mike Beato has been doing this for a long time. He has been an independent wrestler uh, since I've been a kid, really. You know, he's, he's always been out there. And, you know, you think independent wrestling and you think, oh, you know, the independent wrestling of old is these big kind of sloppy looking guys. Nah, these guys here that work, you know, Mustang is shredded. Mustang is a big dude. He's in shape. He can move. Very athletic. You know, that that perception needs to change. They have done a wonderful job kind of revamping and changing that image. And let me tell you about the show this coming weekend, which will be kind of their annual show, right? They have their, their big, you know, once a summer, uh, it's like their WrestleMania, right? It's their version of WrestleMania. And if I could find the doggone poster here, there we go. Cajun heat six, it'll be July 16, 2022. So that's Saturday Out in Morgan City, Gulf State Wrestling will be presenting that event. There's going to be a cage match, a TLC match. I see Minotaurs on the card, Mustang Mike. I see Stone Man. Um, uh, Doors will open at 5 o'clock. Bell time will be at 6 o'clock, so that's Cajun Heat 6. That'll be a wonderful showcase of some of the great talent In our area. Now, let's talk a little bit about some things happening in the world of sports. I'll get to the Open Championship in just a minute. Actually, I might do the Open Championship in the next segment of the show. I'm actually watching the Open Championship right now. Um, If you hear the frog in my throat, that's you know me having my foot in my mouth because a lot of my picks from yesterday were not are not panning out. I said yesterday, oh, I think Tiger Woods is going to play. Yeah, um, no, he's not. (laughs) (laughs) we'll leave it at that. Tiger's not playing very well at all. He did make two birdies in a row, um, but I would, that'll move him to what? 20 over now (laughs) instead of 22 over. I'm kidding. He's not 20 over. He's four over par. Um, But on a day where people are scoring over at St. Andrews, he is not scoring and um, likely to miss the cut. Um, NBA wise, some bad news for the Pelicans Um, rookie second round draft pick EJ Liddell. Suffered a torn ACL in his right knee and will likely miss the next, uh, you know, the upcoming season. Liddell was a second-round pick of New Orleans. Actually, had a first-round grade. Many people were were surprised that he fell to New Orleans at forty-one overall. Uh, He is now going to be out for the season. Um, Dyson Daniels, New Orleans' is number eight pick in the draft, Uh, also hasn't played in summer league as he played in about three minutes into his stint. He got injured as well. So the summer league's been a little bit of a bummer for New Orleans. Excuse me, because of some of the things that have happened on the injury front. Now, there were some comments yesterday made, and God, I hate talking about this because I hate talking about LeBron James, and I've already voiced my thoughts and my opinions on the Brittany Griner situation, and I know some of it makes you guys angry, and I'm not trying to make my audience angry, but sometimes when somebody says something so stupid, you have to react to it because that's the whole point of talk radio is if we're not talking about the things that you are talking about And what the hell are we doing here? LeBron James said yesterday on Twitter, uh, well, actually it wasn't yesterday, it was a couple days ago, he said that, and I'm paraphrasing, but I I don't have the full tweet at my disposal, basically that when Brittany Griner gets freed from Russian custody, whenever that may be, that she should ponder just not coming back to America because of basically the country's betrayal of her and how this has all been handled. The biggest gripe that I have with LeBron James is the fact that he feels like he needs to comment on everything, on every comment, or in every topic, he feels like he has to give his opinion. And here's the exact quote, by the way. It wasn't a tweet, my bad. It was on his his show, The Shop which is, again, part of the problem, right, because he has to give his opinion on everything so much so that he has a damn show to talk about all this stuff, and he just ends up saying stupid stuff and putting his foot in his mouth over and over and over again. LeBron said, now, how could she feel like America has her back? I would be feeling like, do I even want to go back to America? And this is LeBron James, again, saying something that he is not fully educated on, but speaking from a position of authority, and now thinking that, oh, hey, I'm the smartest guy in the world, because I'm saying this and, you no, dude. The reason why Brittany Griner is not in America right now is twofold. A, she broke the law in Russia. Like, that gets lost. She did break the law in Russia. She has already pled guilty to breaking the law in Russia. She did have marijuana-based vape or whatever the hell it was in Russia, a country where that is highly illegal let's get that out of the way. At the very least, she did break the law in Russia. The second reason why she's still in Russian custody is not because America's abandoning her or anything like that is because America's not willing to meet the Russian trade demand. Russia wants like drug kingpins and mob bosses and everything and trade and prisoner swaps for Griner. And the United States administration's not willing to let terrible people out of custody that could potentially do great harm to the world to save Brittany Griner, who did break the law. She did break the law. She's not being held against her will without having done anything wrong. She wasn't just walking on the street and got arrested just for being an American. She did break the law. So this idea that the United States government doesn't have her back or isn't willing to fight for her, no, they're just not willing to meet the Russian demands which are absurd hey give us you know this drug lord or this mob boss or this terrorist back and then we'll give you Brittany grant no that's not the way that this works man and I just wish that people would be more willing to understand and accept that while it does suck that she's there it does suck that she's maybe going to be there for the next decade she does have a lot of responsibility for why she is there and for why she may be there for the next decade. She has a lot of responsibility and a lot of burden to bear for why she is in that situation. And the fact that people can't see that and are just maybe afraid to admit that, it's it's mind-boggling. But anyway, let's talk some NBA. Donovan Mitchell is now apparently on the trade block. The New York Knicks um, are one of the teams that are Flirting and offering some packages to the Utah Jazz. The Jazz said earlier in the offseason, they didn't say this, but the reports were earlier in the offseason that teams were offering pieces for Mitchell and were being turned away. They traded Rudy Gobert earlier in the offseason, got four first-round draft picks back in return. Now Utah may be also shopping Mitchell and may also get a big draft pick haul or maybe a young player or two in that deal. I don't think Donovan Mitchell is as good as a lot of folks think that he is. I think that he's a guy that, yeah, he's gifted and he's talented. I just don't know that he's ever made the guys around him better, right? And I think that that's where Utah would always have their pitfalls. They would have a strong regular season, but no matter what role players they would surround him with, they would their season would end the same way, losing to the best teams because Mitchell wouldn't elevate anybody's game and wouldn't empower his role players to make that next leap forward I don't know that he does that 26 points a game are nice four rebounds are nice five assists are nice uh I just with as much as he has the ball with as much as he has the ball there in Utah I would like to see more than the five assist with as much as he has the ball in Utah I would like to see more than the low-key kind of inefficient shooting you know 44 percent from the field. Could be better. He doesn't get to the free throw line enough only four and a half times a game. He's got to evolve his game if he wants to become a championship level player. And until he shows me that he's willing to do that, if I'm the Knicks, if I'm the Heat, if I'm whatever team is the flavor of the week that that wants to trade for this guy, I'm not giving up three, four, five first round picks for him. I am not. Someone will because we saw it happen for Rudy Gobert, which I think is crazy in and of itself but I'm not giving up four or five first-round picks and a young player and whatever else it may be for a guy that just I'm not sure is a winning player. Just I'm not sure is going to be able or capable to evolve his game and shape his game to win at the absolute highest level. He plays like a shooting guard, but he's got the point guard body. He's only one, so... He's always going to be the undersized player, which, yeah, that has a ceiling. That's hard to get away with. And then if you try to move him to point guard, it becomes he's at the top of the key. Dribble, 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 dribble. There's one on the shot clock here. I'm going to pass it to you throw up a three-pointer. It's not great offense. It's not efficient offense, and that's, again, why Utah had kind of fallen in the trap. Look, Utah played some of that series against Dallas without Luka Doncic and were not able to win games. So this idea that they were closer, you know, approaching prominence, no, they were not close. And I think that they're right to kind of bust up their, their, their core a little bit because they weren't close. But if I'm a team that's chasing prominence, if I'm the Knicks or the Heat or whatever, I'm not giving up a ton for this guy. I'm just not. I'm just not. I haven't seen him do it at the absolute highest levels. Heck, when he was younger in his career, they would play Houston in the first round every year. P.J. Tucker would just cheese grade him into the ground. Let me tell you some of those stats there. Again, this is early in his career. This was kind of his first rides in the playoffs. 2018-2019, they played the Houston Rockets in the playoffs. And if my web browser will cooperate, I will tell you that... Let's see. It's coming, y'all. I'm sorry. We're having a terrible internet day here at the office. Okay, he was... 32% 32% from the field. <laughs> 25% from three over the course of a five-game series. Then the next season, 2019-2020, right? They make it back to the playoffs. They're rocking and rolling. Oh, yeah, they run into the Denver Nuggets. He was much better in Denver. That was the bubble season. My bad, y'all. I'm looking for 27-2018. That's, that's the season that I'm looking for. They play the Rockets in the playoffs in 2017 and 2018. P.J. Tucker, again, holds him to 36% from the field, 25% from three. If you body him up and if you guard him close and if you get in his face and if you challenge him, it's not going to work out. He is undersized. He's not big enough to make that huge impact, and you're always left wanting more. You're always left wanting more. That's just the unfortunate reality of the situation with Donovan Mitchell. Is he a good player? Hell yeah, he's a good player. Is he young? Yeah, he's 25. He could get better. Sure. But you're always left wanting more. Even this past year against Dallas, 39% from the field, 20% from three. You're supposed to elevate your game in the postseason, not go drastically down. And there are too many instances where the field goal percentage falls through the floor, 35%, 36%, the three-point percentage falls through the floor, and he just doesn't make an impact when the games matter the most. I want no part of this guy when it comes to four and five first-round picks and giving up assets. I want no part of it. There's going to be a sucker that's going to give Utah what they want, but they're going to always be left disappointed, and the Jazz are going to win that trade. mark my words, the Jazz are going to end up winning that trade. It's play-by-play. When we get back, let's talk about the Open Championship. There's a lot of golf being played, unfortunately. Tiger Woods is not doing a very good job of it out there across the pond. We'll be right back after this.
6: The music on the bayou, the rage Raging Cajun, 1600 AM, KLEB, and 102.7 FM. Hey, Mike Davis here. Looking for your next new vehicle? Come check us out at Golden Motors. Price is priority. Come place your very own order or choose what is in stock or coming in. Many 2022 Silverado trucks and SUVs to choose from. New vehicles are here on the way. Chevy, find new roads. And if you're looking for that slightly pre-owned or any make and model vehicle, we have it in our huge selection. Or don't see it, we can get it. Just stop by on the back road and cut off or call us at 985-325-1000.
4: You know weather bug users when you see them. The umbrellas before the storm. The scarves before the blizzard. The flip-flops before the heat wave. The prepared few. Well, not so few. Over 10 million people use the Weatherbug app for hyper local weather reports and real time updates that prepare you for whatever happens next. With more free map layers than any other weather app, Weatherbug sees the unforeseen to protect you from the unpredictable. Download the Weatherbug app today for free.
3: Some people just have a knack for being there when you need them the most.
9: mean
0: mean pride We want to thank Corey Bear and also Coach Keegan Pokey for their time here throughout the course of the show it's play by play We're going to try to get Mustang Mike on tomorrow to talk about his show and you know, folks would love to hear about everything that goes into being a professional wrestler, that's not an easy profession, man. Like, It's easy to sit back on the couch and have a beer in your hand and be watching it on TV and say, oh, that stuff is fake. But you listen to the people that talk about this stuff and the people who have lived it. The only thing that's fake is that you know beforehand what the result is going to be. (laughs) Those guys are in there, and they're really beating the snot out of each other. There's not a whole lot of... Tricks and not a whole lot of ways around that. You know, when you see a guy and you're watching it on TV and you see it on the instant replay and he punches the other dude in the face, like you can't fake that. Those guys are really, it's a contact sport. They're pounding on one another. They're giving one another a beating throughout the course of the the match and the event and everything of the sort. Can't fake that stuff. Uh, And there's a lot of training and everything that goes into that, uh, preparing your body for that would love to talk with Mustang about all that stuff. But anyway, let's talk about the Open Championship. which is out at St. Andrews over in Scotland. Um Woke up bright and early and was hoping to see Tiger Woods play well. We've gotten anything, but we look at the leaderboard right now and we see that Cameron Young of the United States is at 8 under par. Ugh, that's round one of a major championship. It shouldn't be 8 under par the lead score. That's kind of gross. But anyway, Cameron Young is the leader at 8 under par. Rory McIlroy, 6 under par. Cameron Smith, six under par. Barclay Brown, an amateur four under par. Lee Westwood, four under par. Victor Hovland, Scotty Scheffler, all at four. Ian Poulter, excuse me, at three. Bryson DeChambeau at three. Xander Schauffele at three. And several others. Dustin Johnson's over at three under par. Ernie Els, surprise name. He's now on the senior tour. He's at two under par. So good to see Ernie play a nice round of golf today. Um, Let's talk about old Eldrick. My man is at five over par through 11. Um, It's been a mess. From the very first hole, it's been a mess. He drove his ball in the fairway on one into a divot. And then on the first hole over at St. Andrews, there's like a creek underneath the green. Didn't read the lie out of the divot well. Kind of bladed the shot. Goes into the creek. Then he misses about a four-footer for bogey and makes a double in the first. It's just been a mess. He's not been sharp. The, a lot of driving the ball well. He's in the fairway almost every hole, but the wedge shots into the green aren't good, and then he just misses the green. Then the pitch shot into the green isn't good, so he's left with seven, eight feet for par, and then he misses he makes a boat. It's been just a not a very smooth round the golf so far. He's not going to make the cut. Um, he's not going to be anywhere near contention, and it's unfortunate to see Especially given you don't have many more opportunities you're going to have to see him play. And uh, I'll be honest, if we've got to see him play looking like this the rest of the way, I don't know how many more times I want to see him play. But anyway, that's another argument for another day. Let's talk about St. Andrews the course, right? The win today has not been a huge factor. It's been blowing a little bit. It's not been a huge factor. But the course is just so dry. That the like the holes are not long to begin with. There's a lot of 370 yard par fours and short par fives. And if there's not a lot of wind and bad weather slowing this thing down, these guys are gonna eat this thing alive. And we saw that today with Cameron Young. He shot eight under par, and it was a breeze. Like no struggle, just eight birdies, ten pars, and hey, let's rock and roll. McIlroy's round was kind of the same way. Seven birdies, a bogey, and hey, let's call it a day. If the wind doesn't start swirling out there and if the, the rain doesn't start falling and you know kind of dampening things up and softening up that course, making it play a little bit longer, we're going to see 15-20 under par easy be the winning score. And I don't like that for a major championship. I like to see guys struggle for a major championship. Now I preface that by saying I don't like when the US Open is so hard that they're like 7 over par. I want to see a few birdies get made. But the leaderboard right now should be the leaderboard at the end of the week. Someone should be winning the tournament at eight under par, not shooting that in the opening round. That's just crazy. Now, a lot of the drama and the you know the the big talking points of golf right now is how are the guys on the Live Golf Tour doing? They've had a good first day. The Live Golf Tour has had a good first day. Ian Poulter, three under par. DeChambeau, three under par. Um, Dustin Johnson, three under par, and actually still in the course. A chance to improve his position, do maybe a little bit better. Lee Westwood, four under par. So there's a lot of live on the first page of the board, boy. There's a lot of live. And how much drama would it be over the weekend if we had a couple of final groups where it was PGA Tour versus Live? That'd be a whole lot of fun. (laughs) It would be a whole lot of fun to see. But a lot of those guys are performing well, and a lot of those guys are near the top and are having opportunities to compete for the championship. That's going to make for a little bit of extra sauce a little bit of extra juice over the weekend very curious to see how that shakes itself out let's talk a little bit of um major league baseball here before we go to the break there was some big drama yesterday with the toronto blue jays firing their manager um the, the the blue jays let go of their their skipper in the middle of the season despite being above 500 they were 46 and 42 at the time that they let them go they since won yesterday uh, to get to 47 and 42. Uh, but Toronto's management decides, you know, hey, you know what? uh, We're going to make the move. We're going to go ahead and pull the plug on Charlie Montoyo, who was their skipper, and now they've got an interim manager in who will be uh, leading them for the rest of the season. I always applaud, I'm trying to think of a way to say this, I always applaud the front office in sports. That's not willing to settle, right? Because look, Toronto is 46 and 42 now 47 and 42. They're five games above 500. They're in playoff contention. It would be very easy to just say, Hey man, you know, it's just kind of bad luck. That's baseball, right? That's the old expression that a lot of folks like to say to make excuses for their teams ineptitude. Ah, that's baseball. It'd be easy to accept that and just say that and move on and, Keep everything rolling. I always applaud the front office that's willing to, even when the results are not horrible, say, hey, we deserve better. Like, we should be doing better than this. And it was the same thing that I always said about Paul Minary in Baton Rouge, right, is it that it wasn't necessarily that he was a bad coach or, you know, people would always throw at me, but he won the SEC tournament a million times and he did this and he did that. It wasn't that he was a bad coach, it's just the fact that at LSU, you just need to do better than what they were doing. There were too many times losing to Stony Brook. There were too many times losing to Coastal Carolina. There were too many times losing to Houston, all in regionals. I'm not talking Omaha, losing in the regional. There are too many instances of that happening. And the job mandates results better than what you were getting. So that's kind of the thing is I always appreciate whenever you're honest and realistic about what you are. And if the Toronto front office decided, hey, we think we've got a better roster than 46 and 42, then go and do something about it. And I applaud them for that. And look, they've got a great core group. they got Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Gosman and Biggio. Like, they've got a lot of pieces there. And if they feel like they should be better in contention than what they are, then go get it. Go get it. What are you waiting on? Like, there's no reason to, if you don't think the manager's the right fit and you think that he's what's holding you back, then get rid of him. Get rid of him. You know, they won yesterday. I think they're going to be in position to win over the weekend. They're facing a Royals team at home that A, they're better than, and B, is going to be missing 10 players who haven't gotten their COVID vaccine. So let's get on a little run here. Let's get on a little roll, maybe buy a couple pieces of the deadline and let's go get it. Let's go get it. I applaud that move. The second thing about that is how good is the American League East? Every single team in the division is above 500. The Yankees are 62 and 26 and are maybe the favorites to win the World Series. Tampa Bay's 48 and 40. They would probably have a better record than that in some other division. Same for Boston, 47 and 42. Same for Toronto, 47 and 42. Baltimore, 45 and 44. What record would all of these teams have if they weren't having to beat the hell out of each other all year? If you put them in another division and, and they were facing, you know, the uh, whatever bad team you want them to face. If they were in a division, they were facing the Royals and the Tigers and the Guardians all year long. What kind of record would these teams have if they were facing the Angels and the A's and the Rangers? And those are their divisional games. Instead of facing one another, what type of record would these teams have? The American League East is incredible, man. All of these teams are still in contention. Baltimore's probably the best story in the entire sport. They're 45 and 44. I challenge you. I Look, I'm challenging you right now, podcast listener. If you're driving in the car, if you're sitting at your work desk, I challenge you. Close your eyes. Don't Don't Google it. Don't search it until after you tap out. Name me three members on the Orioles. Baseball fans can name me Cedric Mullins, yeah. They can name me maybe Santander, the left fielder, yeah. Not much more than that. Not much more than that. Maybe I should challenge you to name five because, right, they do have Mullins, they do have Santander. Many people know Mancini. After that, the well gets dry. Okay, maybe a better challenge. Orioles, name me a pitcher on their team, any pitcher. Because they do have a few offensive weapons, right? Adley Rushman, Odor, Ryan Mountcastle. Like some of these guys are pretty known. Name me a single pitcher on their team, anybody. You probably can't do it, right? They have a payroll that is less as a team than some individual players' one-year salary. Their entire payroll is less than like the salary of a Max Scherzer or a Bryce Harper. And they're above 500. They're 45 and 44. It's incredible what they have done. Incredible. Now they're in a position where they should be going by. Go at the trade deadline. Go add a little bit to this team. Man. Like Let's go. Let's make it happen. That's what I love about baseball, man. I love that. And I'm getting fired up talking about this. We're up against a brick. I don't care. I get fired up talking about this because it's the only sport in the world. Like if Okay, if we made football a sport that didn't have a salary cap and you could just go get whatever you wanted to get, the team that had the best payroll maybe wouldn't win the Super Bowl, but they'd be pretty damn close. The team that had the lowest payroll would suck. NBA, the same thing. If we took salary cap away, you just go sign whoever you want to sign. The teams that would be at the top in payroll, that would have four, five, six-star players, they would win. The teams at the bottom, who would just have the rest and rookies and you know guys on bargain deals, they would suck. Baseball's different. You could get by being that wise, savvy, low-budget type of baseball team. The Rays have done it for years. The Orioles are figuring out how to do it now. The A's used to have that magic formula. Now they've kind of fallen off of a cliff and are rebuilding. And that's what makes that, to me, such an awesome and fun sport to follow is that in the sports scene, very rarely does David actually slay Goliath. But in baseball, it does happen quite often. And what Baltimore's doing is incredible to see firsthand. Let's catch a break here and play by play when we get back. We're going to get you your betting picks. We'll let you know three winners in the world of sports here on K We'll be right back after this.
1: guaranteed you know
4: weather bug users when you see them the umbrellas before the storm the scarves before the blizzard the flip-flops before the heat wave the prepared few Well, not so few. Over 10 million people use the WeatherBug app for hyper-local weather reports and real-time updates that prepare you for whatever happens next. With more free map layers than any other weather app, WeatherBug sees the unforeseen to protect you from the unpredictable. Download the WeatherBug app today for free.
6: Hey! The other day, someone said they saw a roach the size of a nutria down around cutoff. I don't know about that, but
0: nasty pests like roaches, termites, ants, and spiders are running wild up and down the bayou. If you got bug problems, call Terminex and the Bayou Boys, Dan and Billy Foster. They'll be there in a jiffy to protect your home or business. So whether you live up the bayou or down the bayou, Terminex
6: is here to get rid of bugs any size. So call those Bayou Boys. They'll get you, get you Terminex tough.
8: You're listening to KLEB, 1600 AM and K274 DE, 102.7 FM, Golden Meadow.
0: And welcome back to Play by Play here on KLEB. Casey Just Clear here. We thank everybody so much for listening to today's show. We're going to wrap up with a couple of betting picks and then we'll get out of here. We've had a good, really good Thursday show. Really, really good. Look, anytime I get a chance to sit up here behind the mic and just talk about baseball for 15, 20 minutes, like... <laughs> I'm good with that. Like, I love MLB, man. I don't talk a ton about it because I know that it's kind of a sport that's faded a little bit and I don't want to bore my listeners and, oh, what is he talking about? Why isn't he talking about football and basketball and the fun stuff? I could do a full podcast just on MLB Talk. If you give me the mic, I could talk about the NL East and how I think the Braves are going to catch the Mets, but it's going to be a fun division and people are sleeping on the Phillies. I could talk about the Central and how I think that, the Brewers and the Cardinals are gonna, you know, be chasing that one, but it's gonna be the teams that the team that's gonna win the central is gonna be who beats the Pirates, Reds, and Cubs the most. Those are gonna be the teams that decide the whole division. The West is gonna be fun, but you know, what are the Dodgers gonna do with the deadline and this, that, and the, I could do a whole hour a day just talking MLB. I love it so much. But let's thank our sponsors, the Blue Boot Rodeo, Southland Dodge and Homa, Industrial Power Systems for all your engine and generator needs because power is our middle name. Two-friend building materials got you covered for all your roofing needs. Buzz Off, the only all-natural mosquito control professionals providing guaranteed results. Golden Motors, where Price is Priority proudly supporting South Lafouche Athletics and community youth sports organizations. And a reminder, join us for the Sports Corner, Saturday, 10 o'clock, presented by Terrebonne General Health System. Stan Gravois and myself for the latest in local high school, college, and professional sports from your local sports experts, sponsored by State Bank and Trust Company. Three batting picks. The first one that I'm giving you, I like the Dodgers in the run line today. Minus a run and a half against the Cardinals. The Dodgers were getting creamed yesterday by the Cardinals. Came back and won from behind in the late innings. I think that's going to be a little demoralizing for St. Louis, who's throwing Dakota Hudson today. Hudson has an ERA of four. I just don't like the whole 90 innings pitch, 50 strikeouts thing. Not against the Dodgers. Saw it against the Braves too last week. If you're not getting strikeouts against the really good offenses, they're going to hammer you. Hudson got hammered by Atlanta last week. The Dodgers, I think if you can't strike them out, they're going to put it in play. They're going to get on base. They're going to drive a gap to gap. I think the Dodgers are going to find a way to get it done today. Next pick. I like the Blue Jays today um, to destroy the Royals. <laughs> they... <laughs> I'm not going minus a run and a half. I'm buying the extra run. I like the Blue Jays today to beat the Royals covering two and a half runs. A, the Royals aren't good to begin with, right? They're 35 and 53. They're not good to begin with. B, they've got 10 players out who are unvaccinated, can't make the trip to Toronto. C, Toronto's throwing Kevin Gaussman, who's 6-6 and with a 2.86 ERA. He's the best that they got. Well, he's not the best that they got. They got, you know, Manoa and some other guys, but he's one of the best that they got. D, Toronto's still on that little, you know, high and adrenaline rush of, hey, we just fired our manager. Let's go rock and roll. Let's, you know, play hard. All that good stuff. You mix all of that together. Toronto's gonna beat the Royals ten to two today. Um, and I think they're gonna cover that number. The Royals don't even have a starting pitcher announced today, which is troubling in and of itself. They don't have a great starting staff. Regardless of who's throwing. Like their team ERA is four point eight four. So yeah, I like Toronto today. I think that they're gonna win and I think that they're gonna win big. Uh let's see. I need I owe you guys one more. So let's go with let's see. As I said, uh, yeah, let's do this. And so I like Atlanta to cover the run and a half run line today against the Nationals. Kyle Wright is throwing, he's ten and four with a two point nine seven ERA. Opposite him is Anibal Sanchez, who used to be a brave. He's just kind of a crafty ride. He's a soft tosser. He's going to locate, do all the little things. Anibal had a 6.62 ERA when we last saw him pitch. He wasn't good the COVID year then missed all of last season out of the sport. And then uh, he's back with Washington this season. And before the season started, got injured and has been out. And so much drama and so much has happened to Anibal and it ain't going to work out for him well today. Anibal has made four rehab starts. He's pitched 15 innings of rehab work. Had a new RA of around four-ish. So what that tells me is that he's not going to pitch long. He's going to pitch three, four innings, which means that that game's going to get into the bullpen. Washington has a dreadful bullpen. So Atlanta's going to kind of touch up on a little bit. They're going to touch up the bullpen a little bit. Ride's going to be steady, and the Braves are going to win and are going to cover the run line. Thanks so much for listening. We're going to be back tomorrow for our final show of the week, this has been play-by-play. Play. Casey Disclare signing off. Hope you guys have a wonderful day. Thanks to Coach Pokey. Thanks also to – who am I missing? Who do we have on today? Oh, man, I'm drawing a complete blank. Who do we have on Coach Pokey? And also Corey Bear. How could I forget Corey? I was thinking through my head of all the coaches in the area, but it wasn't a coach. It was Corey. So thanks to Corey. Thanks to Keegan Pokey. Thanks to everybody for listening. Um uh, We'll be back tomorrow talking some sports and having a great time. You've been listening to Play by Play. God bless everybody. Have a wonderful rest of the day.